0: Thank you, worship team. Don't they sound wonderful? All the way, blessings unto the Lord. I just love the way that they they sound, and um, those sisters on those violins are amazing. Worship. Speak the name of Jesus. I, I don't know. I was blessed just now, just hearing that song, just looking at the words. Sometimes you just get lost and just look at the screen and what they're saying, and speak the name of Jesus over every situation. I just love it. I love it. Let's pray, and we're going to get right into what God has for us. Um, I am going to speak to you. I was going to speak to you today from the subject of love, but then. And Perhaps I'll get back to that later this summer, Um, but today I just want to talk to you about access, access affected, access to Jesus, getting to Jesus. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your goodness, grace, and your mercy. We thank you, God, that you are a God that heals, a God that loves, a God that forgives, God, that strengthens, and we're so grateful for you today, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, uh, over this message, Lord, I pray, Father, that everyone who hears it, God, that it would fall on good ground, not be choked, not be withered, but that it would be applied, and it would be encouraging to each and every one of us, God. In your name we pray, Amen. 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 So, this is a story known by many. Um, It may be new to some, um, but as you all know, truth is applied to all of us. And so, follow along with me. I'm going to be in Mark chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you have your Bibles with you, open those, your Bible apps. And if not, no worries. Look at the screen. It says, a few days later, when Jesus entered again into Caper- Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing in to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. and that's that something? God knows what we're thinking in our hearts. Hmm, he anticipates. Why are you thinking, thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? As this chapter begins, Jesus has already performed several miracles. If you look at uh, the book of uh, Mark, you'll know just in chapter two alone, there's five controversial uh, events that happen. This is the first of five. In chapter one, the text says that the whole city had gathered at Peter's house to see Jesus, and that Jesus would not publicly enter a city, probably be- uh, due to the crowds. Chapter 2 begins as a continuation of this theme. And Jesus is speaking to the crowds, and they were so large around him that there was only standing room. I think there's uh, one of the things I I love when you think about standing room. I I love the Bible because when you think about some of the things that they say, then you can relate it to what we're doing today. Um, I remember when standing room first came out, uh, when it came to games. I thought that was the oddest thing. I do not want to stand for three hours um, just to see my team. Now, maybe if you, you know, I might hang out where the food's at and find the screen. that I can do that for three hours. Got to be careful there, too. But, um, <laughs> but standing, standing for three hours. Well, however, Jesus didn't do things like everyone else did things. So the result of their faithfulness may be that the crowds, you know, crowds are not a bad thing at all, but it should be a result and not a goal, right? But they're in uh, Capernaum. Uh, which is the home of Simon Peter. Now, this city was Jesus's base of operations. Remember, he, he operated out of this Galilean, his Galilean uh, ministry out of this place. It was a very large city. So think about San Francisco um, on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So the paralytic is being carried on a bed or a small couch. Uh, I'm going to refer to it as a cot today. Um, so probably with a friend on each corner of it. So imagine some four of his friends carrying him. Imagine a cot, one in each corner. Palestinian homes would have been accessible uh, to someone during the roof. So so they're carrying him. They can't get in the front door. And then, you know, there's these little uh, homes. So you can't think about the roofs that we have in our house. You think about a real sort of short roof, and there were some stairways to go around. So that's the way it was in, in those Palestinian homes. So the houses were low, usually with an outside stairway. Um, the roofs were tiled, and they were covered with, like, uh, mud and plaster. So if you think about, like, a bird, um, if you've ever seen a bird's nest on the side of a building, uh, that mud and that pla- sort of plaster-like material. So the four men had to drag the cot up the stairs, pull up the tiles, and dig through all of that. The hole would have been large enough, if you think about that, to get the cot through. So even if he was, like, you know, a little wee man... Um, you know, he, it would still be a, a pretty big, uh, a pretty big size. I'm thinking about Zacchaeus, by the way. Um, so the people below notice, with debris falling on them as they tried to listen to the words of Jesus. So you imagine if we're standing in here right now, and all of a sudden you just start to see little things just sort of come down, would you really be able to focus on the word of God? Now, it doesn't tell us who the owner was, but it was thought to be Peter. So whoever it was, I'm sure that they were tempted to, to go off. But they're standing in the presence of Jesus, right? So you can all relate. People go off in California when you step on their grass, right? When you park in front of their house. You all have a neighbor like that. Or, may, or maybe you are the neighbor. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But the people had heard he had come home and they gathered in this house. And there were so many people in the house that they gathered outside and all around the house to hear Jesus preach. Now The Bible tells us that there was not room enough anywhere. So you have to picture that in your mind. Packed room, it's like a riot, a rave, a concert, something like that, if you will. People everywhere, right? Um, I remember one time... um, experiencing that. My my parents took me to um, a festival, and I think only because I was, um, you know, the youngest in the house, and I would, you know, I would have to, they would have to take me. Everybody else got to do what they wanted to do, but they took me to this festival, and uh, it was a a jazz and blues festival, and at that age, you know, I'm a young teenager, um, jazz and blues, uh, you know, but I get there, and I and I realize it was actually one of the best times of my life. Even though there were crowds everywhere, you could not move. There were people standing. Um, I'm holding on to you know my my dad's uh, the back of his shirt, just sort of going through these crowds. It's it's sort of like that if you've ever been in that environment. By the way, the person performing that day was B.B. King, so uh, so I was. It was all right. <laughs> but they're in this place, and they're, um, they, hear the, you know, they hear all these things going on, um, and they're here in this poor Californian's house. These four men walk up carrying the paralytic, and, and I can just imagine them sort of saying, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am, a little push, a little nudge, and you would think that when they walked up, people would just sort of start to move to the side, right? That's what we would do. Well, that's what I would do, and In this type of situation, if someone's coming, uh, someone who is hurt or elderly, you just sort of move out of the way. However, as one uh, scholar said, sometimes hearers get in the way of seekers. And they all seem to care about was Jesus for themselves, not worried about letting anybody else in who may need him or who do not know him. They don't know it, but their faith and action will end up affecting the outcome of this Man's life. In this case, the man's access is being affected. So I think if each of us can relate, we, if we affect the outcomes of many different things, right? What do we do sometimes as people? We, we ignore God, we show favoritism, we don't love our neighbors, we drive in the carpool lane with it's just us. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone thankful for Fast Track? All right. That saved me a ticket. No, I just threw that one in there. But our our faith and our sin can affect so many different things in our lives. That's why back in chapter 1, Mark 15, read it, uh, Jesus says, repent and believe in the good news. Why? Because we're affected by sin. We're affected by our own sin, and we're affected by the sins of others. If you have given your life to Christ, you know this well because you know that he died for your sins. He died so that that broken relationship between you and him would now be mended. So there's a much bigger problem than this man's paralysis. He has a broken relationship with God. Sometimes you and I are asking for what we want. God, heal me. God, take this thorn away. And God is standing by us saying, But you need to have your sins forgiven. You need to get right with me, in right relationship with me, in alignment with me. And he's sitting there with his arms open and he says, I want you to know I forgive your sins. Come to me, be with me, know me. I wanna show you who I am in your life. Hebrews 10 17, I love it. He says, He says, their sins and their lawless acts. I will remember no more. Yeah, yeah. Wiped, clean, gone. You know, in Bible times, people believe that suffering and sickness were associated with sin. And you know what Jesus says in John chapter nine? He wanted to correct his disciples' thinking. He says, "So as they were talking, he he sees a blind man, uh, who's a man who's been blind from birth, and he and they asked him. His disciples, his disciples said to him." So, so, Rabbi, tell us, who sinned? This, this man or, or his parents? And look what Jesus says neither. <laughs> this was done so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Amen. In him. Church, what are you dealing with? Is it possible that? It's so that through your faith, access might be affected and the work of God might be displayed in you. Perhaps that's the reason that God has you going through what you're going through. If we think of it like that, if we change our mindsets to something like that, then we can say, oh, okay, for the glory of God. God's going to use this in some way. Their friend could not walk to Jesus He could not crawl to Jesus. He could only call on him. And in that crowd, that wasn't enough. So they carried him. And if it wasn't for Jesus seeing, remember we read earlier in the scripture, he he, he saw what was on their hearts. They never said a word. That's what Jesus does here. You You don't even have to say a word. There are a few things that I want you to see that perhaps you're dealing with within your life while trying to get through to Jesus. Three things that I think that we would all do well to remember, um, and they have to do with debris, uh, resistance, and response. So they can't get to the crowd. They're talking about what they should do. Having a little powwow. They're determined to find a way to Jesus. Jesus. So what did they do? Verse 4 says that since they could not get him to Jesus through the front door because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, it says they lowered the mat the man was paralyzed, was lying on. Sometimes to get to Jesus to see him clearly, clearly there's going to be a lot of debris in the way. You know what debris is? It's the remains of something that was destroyed after a storm or After a trial, perhaps, when the four men came up on the scene after coming so far with him in tow, and they could not get to the crowd, they could have said, "Oh well, you know, we tried, right? The dude is heavy. You know, we made a good effort." Um, They could have left the man there and walked away, saying, "Hey, we did all we could do. We 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 made a good attempt." The paralyzed man could have said, "Hey, thanks, brothers. Appreciate it. I'm sure he'll be back again. I'm sure." I'll get to him at some point, eventually. But no, they saw the debris and they kept going. And for you and I, when we see the debris of our lives, of past things that have gone on, you keep going. A marriage gone bad? Speak to you who are divorced. Perhaps you're on your, your second marriage and maybe that debris from the first one is still coming with you. Maybe it's a thorn in your flesh that's popping up its head whenever you've made progress. Maybe it's an old way of thinking. Do you know how much we can change in the way? Just like them, God, God, Jesus had to show them that their thinking was the problem, the way that they're thinking about things. How about a person who seems to push all your buttons, causing you to decide to say and do things that are outside of who you really are? We all have those that try to come up. I'm sure the man on the cot is thinking in light of the misconceptions of the people of that day that his suffering is somehow related to some sin he committed some time back. And that's the reason why the door was blocked, the front door the debris of his thinking getting in the way, he's thinking, oh, my chances are done, it's over, maybe another time. Yet these men were resilient. What would it look like if we stopped saying we tried our best, we did our best, instead of just going tenaciously after Jesus? Pushing aside the things that have gone wrong. What if we instead say, oh, no, that's not working, all right. God, I believe. Uh, let, me, let me try this. Oh, that's not working. God, I believe. Uh, that, that's not working either. This failed, this disappointment, this other thing. God, I believe. God, I believe. God, I believe. I believe in you. I trust in you. What if, it, we, if we just went at life like that? Let me try something else. I hit this wall. I know that you are the answer. Is He the answer? Hopefully, he's not our second. He's not our backup plan. He is the answer. He's the answer to your guilt. He's the answer to your depression. He's the answer to your sadness. He's the answer to your finances. He is your answer. In verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Hold up. I'm sure he's saying there, wait wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Great, my my sins are forgiven, but I can't walk. That's a loaded question. So does that mean that when I come boldly to the throne on behalf of, you know, if you think about that, his sins being forgiven, Jesus says that when Jesus saw his, his friend's faith, they say that your sins are forgiven. So he saw his friend's faith. It didn't say that he saw the man's faith. He said, do you see, do you see where the body of Christ is in this verse? Yeah. He saw his friend's faith. He saw those he was in relationship with. That's why you have to be in a relationship with somebody. You can't be all by yourself. You can't be trying to work that thing out all by yourself. It won't work. But he saw his, their, his friend's faith. And he said, I'm going to forgive your sins. So what does that mean? When I come boldly to the throne on the behalf of my barber, behalf of my siblings, behalf of my neighbor, behalf, on behalf of my coworker, Jesus takes that into account? That if I exercise my faith, he'll move like he moved here? That's what it says. Short answer is yes. Jesus is interrupted and we know how interrupting goes. I mean, if, you, if, you, if any of you had a parent um, that if you just walked up while they were in conversation with another adult and just started talking, would that, go, that would not go well for some parents, right? I, I know there's others who were just like, oh, Johnny, you're so still, just stop, you know, but, but no, do you see that I'm talking to someone right now? So what do you say, right? You teach them in that moment, right? We're kind and we're gentle, but we teach them like within that moment. So it's like that, being interrupted. They, you know, they would give you that look. I don't know if you guys, anyone had a parent that would just give you the look that was good enough, right? You know. But the Lord, you know, the word is excuse me, and you you teach him, and you go from there. So here is Jesus uh, as they lower the mat, and he's interrupted by these men. And remember, there's pieces of mud and branches falling all around those. But yet, look how he responds. He says, when Jesus saw their faith, your sins are forgiven. Now, that excites us, but the paralytic probably had, like I said, a half smile, right? My sins are forgiven, but he had that look on his face like when somebody gives you a dessert and tells you it was specially made because there's no sugar in it, right? And you're like, what's the point? You know? So I see the paralytic saying, thank you, but can you see me? I can't move my legs. I need to be healed. God is meeting a need, brothers and sisters, that he doesn't know he has. He tells the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. But up until this point, none of those men said anything to Jesus. It was not their words. It was not their persuasion. It was not that they had anything that would please God in in which they could say or do at that point. But it was Jesus showing his authority to forgive sins. It was their faith. He saw their faith. And it is their sin that grieved him because he is holy. And although he could do all things for for this man and he could heal him and he could do whatever he wanted, that wasn't his primary concern. His primary concern today for you and I and for him back then is not what he can do for you, but what he wants to do in and through you. He's more concerned about what's going on inside. In the second half of the verse is the, the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Read it. He's, re, he's speaking with contempt about God. Who can forgive God? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So the scribes now see the authority on display, but what do they do? It didn't fit their concept. Remember we talked about thinking? It didn't fit, fit their concept of how they thought about things, of their concept of forgiveness. So they're here, sitting here thinking in their hearts, and, and Jesus says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier for you? Which is easier in this situation, to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Our first word that I want you to remember today that would do well for us is distress. Our second word, that when you come up against something as you try to get to Jesus, is resistance, resistance. They met resistance. They, had, they, they were met with this resistance of these religious leaders. There's always gonna be somebody who's resisting for so many different reasons and you're gonna come up against it. But God is there with you and he sees you He understands you. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows you, I figured out, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows me better than I know myself. He is a God who made me. He is a God who made you. And we have to take that into account. God, you know better. Your word knows better. So Jesus' question is important because if you say your sins are forgiven, well, there's no real way to measure that is what he's trying to say in this passage. Yet, if I say get up and walk, we're going to be able to see that. But if he was to say your sins are forgiven and get up and walk and the man walks, if he heals the man and he forgives the man, well, what? He's clearly God. God. Jesus wanted to show them that authority. So similar to, remember when he raised Lazarus? Uh, The Bible says he waited when he was first told. Why did he wait? Because he wanted to make sure that you and I and that them back then knew without a doubt that he was the one who did it. And that's why sometimes in your life, he's gonna wait. And you're sitting there waiting and you're wondering when is this thing gonna happen, Lord? You see what's going on. It's going. Can I say that? It's going to hell in a, in a basket. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of that. <laughs> you know, it's just going wrong. And what do you do in those moments? He sees it. He's working something out, right? And we're we're sitting here, to look, like life is over. If you don't show up, I'm waiting. This, is, this is, can be a complete disaster. Yet he knows you. He knows you well. So the scribes have not said a word. Remember, Jesus in spirit discerned what they were saying. Four friends have not said a word. The paralytic has not said a word. Nobody has spoken except for Jesus. So pay t- close attention to that fact. And now he tells the paralyzed man on the mat to, st- the mat to stand up and walk home. The man moves. He rises from the mat, and everyone is in amazement as he walks by. The third word for which we're trying, when we're trying to get to Jesus, that I want you to remember is our response. Seeing healing was done by the prophets, right? So some prophets were able to heal, but Jesus, being able to forgive sins and heal, showed that he was completely and totally, without a doubt, God. And so he experienced both. So how is our response? The people stood there saying, we have never seen anything like this before. And I pray that you and I would have that response in our lives. I pray that for your life, that, one, that and, and whatever situation you're going through right now, that you would be able to say, I've never seen this before. I've never seen this before. God is moving in my life, and he has come through, and I just pray that we are in awe of our Father in heaven, even when he decides to give you what you need before what you want. That's what happened here. He gave him exactly what he needed, because he knows better, before he gave him what he wanted. I'm encouraged because he still gave him what he wanted. He's God. He could, he could have just said, this is all you need, and, th- and that's it. But he said, okay, first things first, sins are forgiven. I'm going to put you in right relationship with me, right? There's no longer debris between you and I, right? You have access to the Father. You're in relationship, most important. And then, okay, yeah, that healing thing, no problem. All right, get up and walk. Yeah. See, so you thought it was so crazy and God within an instant can do whatever he wants to do in your life. He can change that thing, but he first wants right relationship with you. May you be affected by the people in your life and that that would be your testimony and that would be my testimony. I've never seen anything like this before. Stand with me. Just want us to pray. We're going to pray here in service over what that message means for you and how God is calling you personally, wherever you're at. Everybody's in a different place. However, he's calling you to walk it out. We'll pray here today. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, um, we have prayer cards down here. We have a prayer team that looks at those every single week. And so if you fill out that card and leave it in there, fold it in half, there will be a team praying for you. Amen. And then within your own groups, when you're in community, remember we talked about, can't do this alone. Wherever you're at, with whoever you're with, whether you're meeting with one person every week or you're meeting with a group of people, whatever it may be. You weren't meant to do it by yourself. All right, let's bow our heads. Father, we just want to thank you for your word out of Mark chapter two. God, each, as each of us stand here today, Lord, I pray, for the, Father, for the person who knows that they're not in the right relationship with you right now. There's debris in the way. There's resistance in the way. And they need you, God. And God, we understand from your word that we're gonna pray about it, but even when we don't pray about it, you already know. But you want us to come to you. You want us to come boldly to the throne of grace on our knees and give it to you. So I pray for the individual, Lord, who uh, is dealing with the debris. I pray, Father, for, the, for those, Lord, who uh, have opposition. It's a, a, a boss on the job, a coworker. They're getting in the way in ways that are against them, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would work out in that situation, Lord, that you would allow them to see your face in that situation. Lord, that we would all, Lord, in every situation, whatever it is we're dealing with, that we would come to you, God, asking what it is that you want to do. That we would be okay with you meeting the real need, even if we don't understand it that we would be resilient, Lord, that we would not give up, that we would not stop fighting, that we would not allow the things around us to hinder us from getting to you. Pray for each and every individual, Lord. I pray, Father, for that person last, Lord, who doesn't know you, God. And for them, the debris is sin that haven't been forgiven because they haven't put their trust in you. So God, I pray, Father, for whoever may be in this place today or listening online, God, or who would listen a little bit later that if they would admit that they need a savior, Jesus Christ, that they would believe that you wrote that you died and rose again and that they would confess that you as Jesus as Lord and Savior The Bible says that they are saved. I pray, Father, for that person who doesn't know you, God, that they would have unhindered, uncluttered access to you, that they'd be in relationship with you. Bless over their salvation even today, God. And last, Lord, we just pray, Father, that this word, that it fell on good ground, Lord, as we prayed at the beginning, that it would not be choked by the cares of this world as each and every one of us leave this place, God, but that through you and in community with others that we would be men, and women, and children who are blessed by you. God we love you, God we praise you, God we adore you. We speak as the song we sing earlier, Jesus over everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.